Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Welcome to the Church Roy City. Um, I'm Crystal Sparks. I'm so glad that you are here. Um, For those of you that are visiting here for the first time, um, my husband and I, Brian, we co-pastor the Church Roy City. And so we believe that uh, just not one of us leads on the front, but we both believe that together we're better. And so we kind of lead together alongside each other. So some weeks you'll come and he'll be speaking and some weeks you'll come and I'll be speaking. And I have the honor and the privilege to bring the second part of our address the mess, or I called it all the week long, address this mess, because sometimes you feel like your life is just one big mess, right? Not the, like a singular, it's just this big, hot mess, right? Uh, Last week, Brian spoke the first message in the series, and it was absolutely phenomenal. If you didn't see that, be sure and jump online and listen to that. And then this week, uh, we are going to be preaching the second part together, uh, sharing it together out of Hebrews 6.1. And hey, before we get started, Can we just give it up for the groups uh, with Ashley on groups? Talking about groups, wasn't that awesome? So excited. Um, Our church, we have three semesters of groups. We have our spring semester that's about to start in February. And then we have our fall semester and we have a summer semester. And I'll just tell you, I love groups groups. Like I love my group. Last semester, my group, I think we had a little bit too much fun. We would laugh until our stomachs hurt. And I made the best friends in my group. I love groups. If you are here and you're a part of the Church Roy City, I want to tell you, even if you're not called to lead a group, I want to see every single one of you in a group this semester. That's my goal as your pastor is to see you go into a group because that's where life change happens. And that's where true growth, if you want to grow in your Christian walk with God, it happens in groups. That's where it happens. That's where life change happens. And so uh, today, right after service, uh, Pastor Jimmy has a meeting for if you're interested in leading a group or being a host home um, in the group's tent, right as you exit out the doors, you'll see it. It'll be a short informational meeting where you can find out more information about leading groups. So we're going to be in Hebrews 6.1, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible because that's the Bible that Jesus reads. Amen. I'm just joking. It's okay. I I really had somebody send me a message the other day and they were like, Jesus reads the Amplified Bible. Like, how do you know that? I was like, no, I just say it as a joke. Don't take it serious. Uh, Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Tap your neighbor and say, grow up tap your other neighbor and say, hey, it's time for you to grow up. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works and dead formalism and of the faith by which you turned to God. Can we pray today as we get started in this message together? And Jesus, we just thank you, Father, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I thank you that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this house that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. If you're taking messages, uh, taking notes today, you can title this message, Growing Pains. Growing Pains. 
you know, me and my family, we, I love Disney. Like, I really love Disney. My husband wishes I didn't love Disney, but I love Disney. I love all things Disney. Um, when I see something with Mickey Mouse's face on it, my heart starts racing. Like, the same reaction a teenage girl has to Justin Bieber, I have that to Mickey. Um, it really is true. I, he's the only mouse I love. Um, I don't like them living in my garage or my house, and I do, I do believe that hamsters are mice. I don't care what you say. They just cut off the tail and call it a hamster. Um, but I love Mickey Mouse. He is like, uh, he's like me and Mickey right here, like heart each other. Um, in fact, when I'm at Disney, I think I get more excited than the kids because when Mickey shows up on scene, I start wigging out. I'm like, Mickey, it's me, Crystal over here. And the kids are like, mom, seriously? But like, I love Mickey Mouse. And uh, so we were at Disney this last week. Brian's parents so graciously paid for the entire family of 11 people to go to Disney. If you ever want to test the strength of your relationship in your family, go to Disney World with your in-laws. Amen. I'll just leave that there. Walk away. Um, But we made it. Everybody was alive. We left a few, but we just choose to write them out of the family tree, and it's fine. No, we all made it out alive, and it was really a lot of fun. And my father-in-law kept on laughing at me, and because I'm the type, I have the mouse ears on when I'm there. Like, I'm as much a kid as everybody else. Like, I'm singing with the parade. I'm having the best time. My hands are up on the roller coasters. And I told him, I said, rule number one at Disney is that anything happens Anything can happen, and you're not an adult. You're a kid. You can do whatever you want. And so he had a hard time grasping this at 64 years old. Um, He had a really hard time, and we were walking down the street on our third day at Disney, and he was starting to feel it. You know, like you're there, the music's happening, and he's like, I'm at Disney. I can do whatever I want. I said, yeah, you can do whatever you want. And he goes, well, there's an ice cream stand back there. I can get ice cream if I want. I said, that's right. You can get ice cream if you want because it's Disney. Now, my father-in-law follows like a very strict diet. He doesn't eat bad foods. Like it's really kind of noxious sometimes. I'm like, can you just please eat something bad for you? Like seriously. And so he goes, I'm going to go get an ice cream cone. I said, do it. Well, at the sound of ice cream, my son Bear, who's 10, was like, Papa, I want to go with you. And as his mother, I'm like, yes, you do want to go with Grandpa because when your kid goes with Grandpa to get ice cream, who pays for the ice cream. Grandpa, when you're at Disney and everything costs inordinate amounts of money, you're like, yes, amen. Go with grandpa. Go get ice cream. So they're waiting in line and Papa's like, I'm in the place where dreams happen. Anything can happen. I'm a kid again, having fun. So they get up there to order. And he said, Bear, what do you want? And he goes, can I have anything I want? And he goes, yeah, it's Disney. You can have anything you want. It's Disney. We're at Disney World. And Bear goes, I want the hard root beer float. Papa goes, okay, you got it. So he walked up to the window, and he said, I'll have one um, chocolate ice cream cone, and my grandson wants a hard root beer float. And the lady goes, where's your grandson? He said, he's right here. And she goes, your grandson can't have a root beer float. Well, my father-in-law, because he's just feeling Disney, he looked at her, and he said, yes, he can. This is Disney, and you can have whatever you want when you're at Disney. This is the place where dreams happen. We can have whatever we want. And she goes, sir, your grandson cannot have a root beer float. And he goes, you're jacking with me, right? You're messing with me. Get the boy a hard root beer float. And she goes, I cannot serve him a hard root beer float. And he goes, ma'am, 
I'm going to ask you one more time to get him a hard root beer float. She goes, I won't do it. He said, Crystal, I was about to lean in there and hit the button myself and say, get him a hard root beer float. She goes, sir, he's not old enough to have it. He's not 21. He goes, why do you have to be 21? She goes, because it has alcohol. And he said, then I realized I was ordering my grandson an alcoholic beverage. Thus, it was called a hard root beer float. He goes, I didn't even know they made those. And so we all laughed about it. And I thought it was funny uh, just in going through because he, he came back. He goes, in my mind, I thought, this is Disney World. This is a place where dreams happen and you can have whatever you want. But there are some things you can't have even at Disney World. They are age restricted. And I began to think about this. And I wonder what blessings we have disqualified ourselves from because we're unwilling to grow up in Christ. I wonder what things God has for us that he's willing to give us, but because of our inability to grow up and mature in Christ, we can't obtain them. We have million-dollar prayers on $100 faith. We're believing God for big things. Well, Crystal, I thought you said that anything's possible with God. Yeah, but here's the thing is that some things, although a thing can be a good thing, it could hurt you if you get it at the wrong time. Think about the story. There's a story in the Bible about the prodigal son. And basically, he receives all of his father's inheritance, but he receives it too soon. And because he didn't have the character to sustain it, it ended up what should have been a blessing actually hurt him. And I think a lot of times in life, we're praying for things, and we feel like God's keeping it from us. But the truth is, he's telling us, you're not mature enough to be able to handle it. You're not to a place of maturity where your character can sustain what you're asking for. And even though you think it's going to be a blessing, it'll actually hurt you and it'll lead to your demise. And now think about this. We all go through three different stages in our life, all of us, I would assume, unless you got beamed here from another planet. And we all started out as babies, right? Is that safe to assume? Yeah, we all started out as babies. And how many of you guys know that babies are very selfish creatures? Like it's all about them, right? I mean, they wake up when they want in the middle of the night. They don't ask you like, hey, is tonight a good night for me to wake up between two and three? Like, are you good with that? No, they just wake up and they do what? They start screaming and they want to be fed and they want to be fed now. Um, they make messes everywhere they go. Uh, little babies, like when they start walking, they get into anything and everything. All the moms said, Amen. And they don't just get one toy out of the basket. What do they do? They get the whole basket and turn it completely upside down and then spread it all over your house because that's what they do. Kind of like the baby in the video that we just watched just now, like the spaghetti's everywhere. I remember my kids when they were babies, I'd find food um, in places I didn't even know how it could get there. Like how does spaghetti get on the inside of a diaper? I don't know, but babies find a way. You know, babies can't feed themselves. They're wholly reliant on somebody else to feed them and to take care of them. They can't do it on their own. They need an adult with them at all times to supervise them. Well, then we grow out of this stage and we enter into our teenage years. Come on. You got pimples going on everywhere, wearing skinny jeans, doing all these things. You got hormones flying everywhere. How many of you guys know all the parents of teenage kids said amen? 
Hormones are everywhere. One minute they're excited, next minute they're crying. Um, one minute they're like as happy as can be, and then they're angry trying to punch a hole in the wall. You're like, what is happening here? And then you thought the mess when they were a baby was bad. Teenage mess is nothing in comparison. You cannot see the floor. You don't know what carpet looks like in your kids' rooms. Like it's been so long since you've seen it, you just give up. Um, my mom said that she didn't see the carpet in my room till I moved out. Um, true story. But now I have a clean house. So the moral of the story is there is hope, parents. There's hope that your kids will turn out okay. Um, They always compare you to others, right? Teenagers always compare you to others. Well, my friend's parents don't make them do that. At my friend's house, they're allowed to stay out later than we're allowed to stay out. At my, my friend's parents, they bought them a brand new iPhone 7. I don't understand why you don't let me do it. I see a lot of parents looking at their kids right now. Right? This is the teenage phase. And here's the other one in the teenage phase. Oh, y'all are going to love this one. It's not fair. Right? That's their number one line. Well, you've got to go do dishes. It's not fair. Well, you know what? Paying a mortgage isn't fair either. Okay? Paying all your bills isn't fair, but it's part of life, right? And and you're you're coaxing them through all this, and you're just praying. I'm like, I'm just praying that my kids will turn out okay, Jesus. Like, that's my prayer at this point, that they know how to wash dishes and make a bed. Amen. Then you move on into this, and now you're into adulthood. And this is the point where you realize how good you had it when you were a kid and when you were a teenager, Because I remember used to, for big family events, I went to the person's house. I went to grandma's house. I went to my mom's house. Now the tables have turned. They come to my house, and they make the mess at my house, and I clean the mess, and I cook, and they all just sit and watch me, and welcome to adulthood, right? And this is real life. And now all of a sudden, when you become an adult, now your kids want shoes, and so you sacrifice, moms, what you want for yourself, and you get it for your kids. Man, how the tables have turned. It's hot outside, and you have the baby in the back seat, and you point all the AC to the back seat, not on you, because it's all about them. Once you become an adult, the focus is no longer on you. It all becomes about others. See, I think it's interesting, because if you read through in Hebrews chapter 5, here there is the writer of Hebrews is talking about moving on in our spiritual maturity. They're letting us know that it's time for us to grow up in God. And the Bible likens a lot our spiritual maturity to our natural maturity. Now, the moment that you got born again, when you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you were reborn into the kingdom. So you have really literally two birth dates. You have the day that you were born onto this earth, and you have the day that you became a Christian. Now, the day that you became a Christian, you were a baby in Christ. You didn't know anything about this whole new world you've entered into. Uh, You didn't know a lot about scripture. You didn't know a lot about anything. And then the Bible's letting us know in Hebrews chapter 5 that he's wanting us to grow up. In fact, even when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said even the parables that Jesus would teach would be dependent upon the maturity of the audience he was speaking to. Isn't that interesting? So in other words, the whole New Testament Testament has this common thread of wanting us to grow up in God. And now I'll just say this, that you can be old in age and immature. Have you ever met a 40-year-old man who still thinks he's 16? I, I go to my high school reunion, and that's what it's like. I'm like, guys, yeah, you did a cake stand back then, but you shouldn't be doing one now, all right? Get off that thing. Um, but you can mature chronologically, but not mature on the inside. Y'all love that too much, I think. Some of you feel a little convicted about last night. Amen. 
Some of the most mature people I know have been in a student ministry, in our student ministry. And some of the most immature people I've met have been in their early 80s. So your age is an indicator of your maturity. So let's just think about this. If the Bible's paralleling our, our spiritual maturity, kind of like our natural maturity, let's think about what it, what it looks like for a spiritual baby in the kingdom. A spiritual baby in the kingdom, when you're born again, uh, they'll, they'll say things like this. I'm not really getting fed at that church. And what they're telling me is I still have to go somewhere for somebody to put the bottle in my mouth to be able to receive the word of God. You know, when you're an adult, you can make your own plate. I can get fed anywhere I go. I may not like the restaurant, what they're serving, but I can get up and make myself a plate. Why? Because I'm grown. But a baby has to wait for somebody to put the bottle in their mouth. A baby Christian will say things like, I need more worship. I don't really like those songs that they sing. It doesn't make me feel comfortable. And how about the messes they leave? When you're a baby Christian, you're still a mess in your relationships. You're still a mess emotionally. You haven't learned how to take control of your emotions and not let your emotions rule you. And so you've got a mess of broken relationships everywhere. You're constantly walking in unforgiveness. Ooh, it got quiet in here. Then you move on to your teenage years and your spiritual maturity. And teenagers in Christ usually say things like this. At this other church, they do it this way. At at so-and-so's church, they always made me feel like this. Or they'll say, I really don't feel like going to church today. I don't really feel like reading my Bible. I don't really feel like worshiping. And what you're telling me is, I'm still a teenager. I'm still governed by my emotions. And that's okay because we're all on a journey together, right? I mean, just statistically, one-third of this room is probably babies. One-third of this room is probably teenagers. And one-third of this room is probably adults. Where are all my adults at? Three of you. Amen. (laughs) Well, three people out of the hundreds. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, is, is it just lets you know where you're at. So when you have those attitudes coming up in you, you have to remind yourself, I've already gone through the baby stage. I've already gone through the teenage years, and I'm not going to go back there. I'm now an adult. Now an adult, that you were served by adults today when you pulled into the parking lot. They're the ones who parked your car. They were adults spiritually. Why? Because they realize now that it's not about them, it's about others. It's not about them, it's about others. And you are served by people in our check-in area for our kids that are spiritual adults because they realize it's about others. See, when you become an adult spiritually, everything in your world begins to change. See, all of our life we've been taught that spiritual maturity is just doing what's right. It's doing what's right, it's memorizing scripture, it's going to church, it's doing all these things. That is not what God called you into this Christian life for, is do-goodism. That's not what it's all about. It's, it's so that we would have a relationship with him. Doing what's right keeps the focus on you. If all you're doing is thinking every day, I've got to do what's right. All you're doing is thinking about yourself and not about Jesus. And this whole thing's supposed to be about Jesus. Now, why do we not spiritually mature? I think it's for two reasons. You can write this down. Number one is, I think, commitment. Commitment. Spiritual maturity takes commitment. Now, let me just think about this. If you had a plant and you planted it in your front yard, and then in six months you decided to dig up that plant, and go move it across town and put it in that front yard 
And then in six months, you dug up that plant and you moved it to another house in another state and you put it in that front yard. And then you decided to move it down the street in six months. How long would it take and that plant would be dead? That's what it's like when you go from church to church to church to church. I don't like their worship here. They're not really nice to me. I'm kind of offended. I don't like their groups there. They don't have the right programs for me. And what you're doing is you're not staying committed to one place. I I thought about it during first service when Jimmy got up and did transition and generosity. Didn't he do awesome? Can y'all give it up for him? It was so good. Now, for those of you that don't know, Jimmy's only been in church for about five years. Five years. He's grown a lot, but he's been in five years in one house under one place, getting the same teaching, and his roots are growing deep. In my life, I've served the same pastor for 16 years. And sometimes he told me things, and I thought like a teenager, that's not fair. That wasn't very nice. (laughs) But you know what? He knew what I needed to hear, and I stayed plugged into that house. And because of that, I am where I am today. Commitment. This is a popular word. I think this will be in the top 10 for 2017. Maturity is doing what's right long after inspiration has gone. Number two, comfort. We are addicted to being comfortable. We just want to be comfortable. We want to hear a message that's sweet, that that makes us kind of feel good, and we want to be told that we're awesome and everything's okay. And I've learned that the longer I serve God, he gets kind of mean sometimes. (laughs) And he'll start telling me things that makes me very uncomfortable And he makes me do things that makes me very uncomfortable. But every time I say no to what he's asking me to do because I don't want to be uncomfortable, I'm saying I only want to go this far in you. I'm stopping myself spiritually maturing right here. And I'm drawing the line. He's not drawing the line. I'm drawing the line. Normal is easily obtained. But if we want to live a life that's abnormal, we have to start doing more. Now, I want to ask you a question. Would you rather have perfect kids that don't love you? Or would you rather have kids who deeply love you, but they make some mistakes? Can we all agree here? We'd rather have kids that deeply love us, right? I think every person in this place, I think Brian and I, our main goal, we have two things. People ask us, how do you parent your kids? We have two goals for our children. Number one, that they love God. And number two, that they love us at the end of this. That's it. That's just that they love God and they love us. That's really all our goals are for them. And we'd love for them to be Aggies too, number three. But God's goal in this thing is not for you to be perfect. His goal in this thing is that you love him. And as you love him, maturity comes as a natural result. A kid, when they're placed in a healthy home, they're going to grow. And when you place yourself in a healthy environment, you're going to grow So how do we do this practically? Number one, it's through our diet. Uh, Romans 10, 17 says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the what? Say it together. Now, I just want to ask you a question. What if you only ate one time a week? First of all, how awful would that be? Like, what would you pick for your meal if you only ate one time a week? Would you be able to even function on your job? It would be pretty hard, right? If you only ate one time a week. 
Uh, I, how many people in here, you get hangry? Any hangry people? That's me. I, I hate everyone when I'm, I'm the most happy person when I'm fed. But when I get really hungry, it's bad. I turn into the Hulk. Um, but that's what it's like when you only come to church and this is the only time that you're getting the word of God. You're only eating one time a week. And you wonder why your finances are a mess, your marriage is in the ditch, why you can't get your emotions in check, while your finances are all over the place, your kids are unruly, it's because you were made and designed by God to live on this. And when you're not doing this, it's like starving your spirit for six days and only eating once. If you want to mature in God, you have to start devouring this. And I'll say this, that when you don't eat a meal, what happens? You get hungry, right? You feel like, man, I'm hungry. Do I miss days of reading my Bible? The answer is yes. Maybe I shouldn't tell you that, but I'm just going to be honest. Yes, there are days that I miss my Bible. But I will tell you this, that the next day, I'm really hungry. And I'm like, God, I just, I want to get in your word. I want to get in your presence. And it's amazing what happens. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We give you these cards because we want to help you mature in Christ. We give you the prayer to pray. We give you the scripture to look at. Why? Because we know that if we can get you in a daily habit of seeking the presence of God on your own, you're not going to be a baby having to have us put the bottle in your mouth every Sunday. And now you're going to come in with something to give to somebody else. Now you're going to be the one going through the buffet line on your own, making plates for other people. This is what 21 days of prayer is all about. The next thing that we do is our focus. John 13, 35. Let's put that first part on the screen. It says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By this. Wouldn't you be curious, what is the this, right? It says, if you love one another. See, the if part is the operative term. In other words, it's in our court, and it's our decision if people are going to know if we're Jesus' disciples. And the only way they're going to know, Jesus said, is by the way we love each other. It's our love for one another. For how do we mature? We begin to love other people more than ourselves. The focus isn't always what about me, if I like the songs, if I want whatever. I, I had somebody complain not too long back, well, I don't like the messages and I really don't like the songs. And I thought, the service isn't about you. It's about the 1,700 people that have invited Jesus into their life. That's who it's about. And when, when you're an adult, you realize that everything's about the baby. And for our services, everything's about getting the lost, those that are lost from God to find him. And we want to be the best nursery that God can send the babies to, to get well taken care of. That is our goal in our services, is to be that place. See, our focus becomes not about you, but others. So the songs we sing, the prayers we pray are all focused on others, not ourselves. If you were to write down every prayer you prayed this week, I would just dare to say that 99% of your prayers are about yourself. When you grow in God and you become more mature, you start praying for your president, whether you voted for him or not. Uh, don't make me go off on that. You'll start voting for your, uh, praying for your mayor. You'll start praying for your state legislature. You'll start praying for your pastors, your leaders, your boss at work that didn't give you the raise. Why? Because now all of a sudden your world becomes about others. God will take care of you. Next thing is, is that we forgive easily. 
because the focus isn't on us, we're now able to forgive easily because it's really not about me. And when it's not about me, I'm not a victim anymore. So I don't have to be offended at everything and realize that it's really not about me. So what? They didn't say hi to me. They were probably just busy anyways. So what? They unfollowed me on Instagram. Although I'm a really good follow. I mean, I don't know why you'd unfollow me. And when people unfollow me, I take it really personally. And especially when they unsubscribe from my emails, I'm like, why would you do that? I'm a good person. But then I choose to forgive and realize it's not about me, that it's just their lack of good, judge a good character. And so it makes it easier. No, but if we were to peel back the hearts in this house, I would just dare to say there's more people who are walking in offense right now than aren't. We get so offended so easily. And can I just tell you, let it go. Every time Jesus talked about prayers being answered, he also did with it a teaching on love. In other words, to the measure that we love other people, our prayers will be answered. And I'll just say that there's no offense, no unfollow on Instagram that's big enough to hinder my progress in God. I want all that God has for me, amen? The next thing is our focus becomes others because we serve. And serving in the Crystal Sparks Dictionary, it means this to me. It's where our abilities unite with God's possibilities, when, when we begin to serve, it doesn't mean that we're looking for perfect people. It's us just saying, God, I want to unite your possibilities with my abilities. And I'm going to step out and do something for others because I know that when I begin to serve in our kids' ministry, when I begin to serve at my local food bank, when I begin to serve um, in our hospitality area, I know that all of a sudden your, your possibilities match up with my ability, and all of a sudden we begin to see lives change. The next way that we spiritually mature is by being impact-driven. Impact-driven. This happens through our giving. Proverbs 22, verse 9. It says that the he who is generous, who has a generous eye, will be blessed. Will be what? Blessed. For he gives of his bread to the poor. I love this, that he who has a generous eye. In other words, you see opportunities to give to others. You know, the longer I live my life, the more I realize that my life is an echo. That whatever I send out, it comes back to me many times over. And when you realize that, all of a sudden, a spiritually mature Christian doesn't have to give. They are compelled to give. They want to give. Why? Because they realize that whatever they send out is always going to come back to them many times over. The next thing is, is that we begin to share our story. We begin to share our story. A spiritually mature Christian begins sharing their story. That is what groups are all about. It's coming together with other people and sharing your story. I love Brandon and Misty Dennison. Uh, They came into our church, and their marriage was on the rocks, and their life was a mess. And they honestly weren't in a place where they were serving God. And they came in not to a worship service. They came in to a community group. And it was in that living room, as they began to hear other people share their stories, that it inspired Brandon and Misty to start their own story. They came here to the Church Race City for the first time, gave their lives to Jesus. Their girls gave their lives to Jesus in, in the time of just a few years. We've seen all of them be baptized, and now they're, they are groups leaders. And now Brandon's running our parking lot teams, and Missy's running our check-in team. But all that started with one person saying, 
Sure, I'll open my home and host a group. Sure, I mean, I'll lead a group. And I know what you're thinking. Crystal, I'm not smart enough in the Bible to lead a group. Can I tell you that people don't want to know how much you know? They just want to know how much you care. They, they just want somebody to listen to them and, and to be there with them. Can you have a home where you just put out some cookies and y'all get around and just talk about your week? Uh, Pastor Jimmy's really awesome. He gives you all the tools you need, and, and you're able to come in in a real atmosphere and just begin to share your story. You know, a girl in my group that just uh, just this last semester, she came into my group. Her family didn't go to our church. She didn't go to our church. Came into a community group, my group, and through the course of 12 weeks, she joined the church. Her whole family gave their life to Jesus, and now they're on a serve team. Come on, somebody. But all that happened because of a group. And that's what spiritual maturity is. It's coming into a group where you're able to share your story. Well, what does that have all this have to do with the church? And what does all this have to do with us? Well, all this is a step in our step of maturity. I want you to watch this video of a baby's first steps. Sounds good. All right, Stella. Come on, Stella. Is that not the best thing ever? You can't watch that without smiling, can you? I mean, that baby is so excited about taking her first steps. And can I just tell you, that is church. That's what church is. And every week we come together. And did you notice that the mom wasn't there to go, Stella, you just messed up. That isn't the way you walk. No, dummy, get back down. I guess you're just always going to crawl. No, she was going crazy. She was celebrating. Girl, you just did the best job. I'm so proud of you. And that's what church is. It's all of us together taking one step every week. And yeah, we don't have it all together. And yeah, we're going to mess up. And yeah, some weeks I was the spiritual baby and I had a temper tantrum and yeah, I was kind of moody and flighty, but you know what? I took a step and yes, I read my Bible for the first time. Through our 21 days of prayer, I just got a message from somebody in the church the other day and they said, Crystal, through this first seven days, I'm reading my Bible for the first time ever and I can actually hear God's voice. That's what it's all about. And I started going crazy because you know what she's saying is I just took a step. I just took a step, and that's what church is all about, is everybody together, one step at a time. We're going to do this thing. And no, you're not going to start running a marathon on your first day, but can you take a step? Can you pick up a prayer card and say, you know what, I'm going to commit the next 14 days. Yeah, I missed the first seven, but I'm not going to major on the first seven I missed. I'm going to major on the next 14 I have ahead of me. God's leading you on your heart to start a group. Can you go out to the group's tent and talk to Jimmy? Maybe some of you, it's about joining the church, going through next steps. God's been tugging at your heart, challenging you to take the next step. I promise you, whatever your step is, we're going to be there to cheer you on. And are you going to mess up? Yeah, probably. But you know what? Me and Brian mess up all the time. But we're just taking one step. Can you stand with me? At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. 
If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com. 